0: Welcome to the tech sales show where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, Hey
1: Bobby. What's up, Brian?
0: We have episode number 108, Bobby. We are nearing Christmas. You guys, got any plans? Y'all staying in town? You got the you got the kiddos in town?
1: Staying in town. Daughter's home for the holidays from the University of Texas, and uh, we're just gonna chill around here.
0: I um I was talking to some friends about they were you know picking up their kiddos, and I thought you did that in a unique way. You care to share how how you picked her up uh, to bring her home?
1: Yeah, well, this trip was, uh, I'm working on my multi-engine rating so I can fly a bigger plane with two engines. And we flew uh, to Austin and actually landed at the big airport. Actually, first time ever landing at a super airport, you know, big metropolitan city like that. The runways are just massively huge. And I followed an Airbus 380 into the airport, which is even more interesting. Uh, If you think about a plane, it's got to push as much wind down as it as it weighs to fly. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of wake turbulence behind one of those things that you don't want to mess with. Um, but it was fun. And the FBO there is a brand new, it's called millionaire. Uh, and they cater, it. they cater to the most private of jet setters in the world. So my daughter said, we're never going back to that other airport as if, if, as if there's ever a bad airport to get picked up in a <sighs> private plane and flown home. But uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. So you're talking about uh, Bergstrom, right?
1: Yes. Flew into Bergstrom.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a great way to do it. I'm uh, envious for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got we a fun episode here, uh, Bobby. This came from a listener. Um, he sent me a note on LinkedIn. Um, he an, he's an avid uh, podcast listener for us for uh, the past couple of years. And he said as a successful uh, inside sale role, um, presently he transitions in, as to become an AE uh, in the enterprise space. There's a lot of learning and questions about what they should do, what they should not do. He wants an episode on the top five tips for new account executives in training that would help him prepare for the basics such as closing, getting prepared. Um, anyhow, uh, that it does consist of a big part of our audience, folks that are in inside sales and outbound account executives. So he um, here we are delivering on that episode. So this is listener's choice number 23, and this is the top five tips for AEs and training.
1: I love it. I love, you know, I think a lot of the people that we talk to uh, that reach out, have heard the show, uh, they're in this position. And this time of year, this is a perfect timing for this episode for most companies that are about to or are in the transition of, of, of a fiscal year. And there's an opportunity to either promote and get out in the field, or either go from one class of an inside rep to the next class. So um, perfect timing as well for many, many listeners, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's, uh, this is definitely a career, the, the time to reflect and, and kind of decide what you want to do and, and, uh, a chance to upgrade that career too. So we've got, uh, five points that we'll talk through, uh, and then of course if you have uh, any feedback please share it with us uh, the best way to do it is on linkedin so please share any feedback that you have as we go through these first bobby and we talk about this a lot is uh, nail your day job i i can't tell i i work with a lot of very ambitious and have worked with very uh, very ambitious inside sales people that maybe this is their first or second sales career and Um, As an ambitious person, they see a lot of things that are broken or could be optimized or could be better. And those are fantastic things to address and fantastic ways to to help solve and help your your company's business grow or help your your team get better and sharper. But I can't underscore enough that the business has decided for better or for worse, there are certain metrics that are important for them to uh, to meet and exceed And before you can get real um, thought leadership that, that would be shared broadly and used broadly, you have to nail the metrics as they stand today. Whether that's call activity, finding deals, qualifying deals, promoting deals, closing deals, whatever it is, know what those core metrics are, know what your manager's scorecard looks like, know what your own scorecard looks like, and absolutely destroy those metrics. I had um, some really good feedback from one of the companies I worked for, um, the guy, Bobby and I, we worked with uh, as a peer for years, and there was a certain metric that the company used, and I, people kind of laughed at the metric and thought it was a, a babysitting metric. <clears throat> and we had a one-on-one. I was catching up with him, and I was asking him what, what made him so successful in this role, and what he was, what he talked to me about was, look, for better or for worse, they're measuring that, and if the goal is five, you should be at 18 every single week. And this is a guy that's not like a guy that always follows the rules either. This is not a guy that's like does things for for the you know does company things for company's sake. Like he he looks out for himself, of course. He looks out for his company, of course. Um, but his point was it, it it really stood out to me. This is a conversation that happened years ago. His, his that conversation stood out to me because his point was this has been deemed an uh, an important metric. Crush that metric. Don't use the hundred percent. Why not do three hundred or four hundred percent of that metric? And I, that allowed me to, um, to provide insight back to the company that I could, could actually affect change rather than um, trying to affect change before I'd actually even accomplished anything.
1: Yeah, and I think I know who that person is. They were pretty coin driven, if I remember correctly. Indeed. The, Indeed, the the thought process there too is that we're we're all we all have a bonus or a variable of some sort that's going to be measured by. The, the production that we have for the business and that that metric is a production metric. And I can say as a small business owner uh, of the flight school that I don't go to every day, but I'm there quite a bit. You know, I expect my employees to do their basic things and, and it's not even complicated textile stuff, but just just yesterday none of the trash was emptied, and I pay two guys to go around and empty the trash cans, and to start the day with full trash cans just drives me insane like how easy is it to empty the trash, so um, whether they, and I didn't say anything by the way, I just knew it would get done today, or the next day and the reality of that is, is the managers that are, have these scorecards, they're watching every metric, they know where everybody stands, they know if they did it or if they didn't do it, um, not if they did it, if it was an everyday thing and they only did it three times a week, they know it. It's not like, okay, that, uh, these, these young kids found a way to only do half the work because it wasn't quite completely full. You know, the metric is the metric, do the job and blow it out. It's not that hard. And if we're talking percentages here, uh, just doing the job is average in my opinion, you know, yeah, you can do better pick up around the floor if it's a trash can, but on these metrics, like you said, five is the goal, get to 18. If it's possible, do it, uh, stand out. You will be rewarded for many years to come. Uh, if you know your day job.
0: The second Bobby is, uh, to build working friendships with the field. So let's say you're an inside, uh, salesperson. You're, you know, you're tied loosely to a field team. You're tied to a sales manager. Um, that's a that's a dotted line. So of course you want to you know have a good relationship and, and friendships with the with the core team that you're on that you directly line up to, but have an amazing relationship with the dotted line peoples that you work with as well, because those are the people that are going to be recommending you for that next job. If you if you make that friendship work, it's a great opportunity for mentorship. It's a great opportunity for uh, coaching. For recommendations, I've written I've written so many referrals for inside salespeople that want to make that next move because they provided a ton of value in partnership with my business. Whether I was an account executive or a sales manager or sales director, they were a great partner, and I want nothing more than to reward them and then have and see them progress and, and you know affect change at whatever company I'm, I'm working with. So the way you do that tactically. Is understand what their metrics are, so you understand what your metrics are. Of course, you're going to nail those, as we talked about. Understand what you know. If you're partnered up with an account executive, like a field guy, what are his or her metrics? What are they responsible for? You know, we maybe that you're maybe it's uh, it's closed business. Maybe they got deals working. You know, understand what what deals they're trying to get closed this month or this quarter. Add value beyond your role too. What I've seen work really really well is what what I love about the inside sales job is that. You're, you're in close proximity with a lot of people of various levels of success. And there is no doubt there are great people that continue to have success year after year after year after year. And if you can understand what those people are doing uniquely well, you can you know, obviously have success in your own role, but share those things, what they're doing well with the outbound account executive as well. So like, hey, I was talking to so and so who's also an in inside sales for a different region you know, what they're doing with their account executives that seems to be working for them is this and that, or they had a marketing event that worked really well. And that kind of goes back to something we talked about, Bobby, a few weeks ago when we talked about how do you, um, you know, when you're doing your like territory planning is how do you, um, and, you're, and you're kind of managing up in the company, it's it's by affecting change beyond and understanding what's working beyond just your core team. Like this, it's being innovative.
1: No doubt. And this one, Beyond just the friendship component, you could be working with or, or have a relationship with a dotted line that soon becomes your hiring manager. Yes. If you want to be in the field, this this manager that's out in the field might be someone who would hire you. If they wrote a letter of recommendation, it could be very valuable for you. But no matter what, I, I can't tell the, the hundreds of stories that I have of crossing paths with, with people again that I never thought I would ever see again. Um it's this podcast, the people we've called for interviews they're, they're people that I haven't worked with in forever. But the, the fact that we helped those strong relationships for years afforded us the opportunity to pick up the phone and call and ask for these interviews. So, um, don't, don't forget that it, it's not just this year or this fiscal year that you need this friendship and relationship. It could transcend many jobs, many roles, many companies.
0: Indeed. Number three, is take and show continued education beyond just your own, you know, learning management system internally. Of course, just about every company we have worked with has had some sort of learning tool they use internally that helps coach you on how to understand the tech t- technology that you sell or whatever products it is you're selling. You know, of course, do all that, do it all really well, score really high on those types of things. But if, if we're talking about, a job that, I mean, most of the time, Bobby, correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but you're easily doubling, maybe tripling your salary when you're moving from inside sales to outbound sales. If you're better than average.
1: Yeah. If you're better than average, if you're
0: better than average. Certainly. What, if, if you're doubling your salary, let's say you're adding an extra, you know, 60 to a hundred thousand dollars a year to your salary. What taking a college, taking a college course, you know, for in their you know they have all these extended masters programs where you can just take a semester leadership course or um, a course on efficiency or operational or finance or accounting or or whatever. Taking a class like that that may cost a thousand dollars. I mean, what is the return on investment on on taking a program like that? And I, the key is not that you're going to learn something in this leadership course that's going to change the course of history, but what you're doing is you're showing people that could hire you that you are a trainable self-aware person that wants to get ahead and is willing to invest time outside of work to be successful in that role. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that I learned from you whenever we were, whenever I was an individual contributor at Microsoft and you were helping me interview for the the sales leader role there in, in TOLA. um, I think we get so like I was so locked into like what my day job was and being good at my day job. And I, I just lack this perspective. And I see it in a lot of people like, It with if you've only had like kind of one type of role is it's it's hard to it's hard to take yourself out of character and realize how people view you professionally. And I think this is maybe the the biggest and most important one even though it's the number 3 on our list is that you need to it, there's a self-awareness that occurs as you start to Um, take a step back existentially, you take a step back and and recognize what are your gaps? What are your strengths? Mm -hmm. What are you doing to, to, to work on those types of things? It's really, really critical. Um, Bobby, any, any thoughts there?
1: Yeah. The first one that jumps out is where you're talking is my favorite interview question or one of my top five interview Mm -hmm. questions is always, what have you done in the last 90 days to make yourself better? And it's a, it's an open ended question for a reason. I don't, I don't necessarily care if they read a sales book or if they say I was listening to the tech sales show every time I drove into work, it's more about that. They have planned thought and a, and a strategy for constant improvement. Like it, it's gotta be not that I, you know, in most times when I ask the question, people look like they're a deer in headlights. They, they try to think back and and most of them literally say nothing in the last six months. But I, I, did, I did graduate college two years ago. You know, they just have these long gaps of personal improvement, whether that's fitness, whether that's uh, diet, whether that's reading a book, whether that's listening to a podcast. We should always be working on improving things. So beyond that internal learning, learning management system, college course, something else, be working on something to improve yourself. It will be something that stands out. Probably above the normal or average people that you're interviewing against.
0: One one thing I always recommend for let's say inside sales looking to get into the field and they want to um, they want to run deals, they want to be in charge of a deal, and they they have these all these questions about. So how do you close? What does a negotiation look like? And it, it's never as glamour glamorous or as sexy as you think it is. Uh, it's it's never as uh, boardroom. Uh, Hardcore as it may seem like it is. Negotiations happen over the course of, you know, hours or days or weeks or months. Not, you know, not oftentimes not all just in one sitting. And the point of that is I've always recommended go run a deal before you get the job. And they, everyone says, oh, I can't I can't do that. Like inside sales can't do that. We can't. That's against the rules. I promise you, if you're exceeding for our, to our first point, if you are crushing your metrics and you have the right relationship, a VP will allow anything to happen. Anything. Period. Anything. You think they're going to allow somebody that's a top performer they're going to risk losing that person? If you're self-aware and thoughtful about what it tech, you know, tactically looks like, you're going to get access to do that.
1: Well, this kind of leads into step or part 4 of this and that's building a good net mentor network beyond your mm. region. If you if you've built some close friendships with your immediate team and you've built some broader friendships with the dotted lines, and then you meet some people at a at a kickoff or something like that that you can stay in touch with, um, one of my tactics is always to find someone pretty far away that I'm not just going to run into. So if I'm a South Central rep in Central Region, I'll try and meet someone from West Region uh, and hear hear them talking. Ask that um, leader on those teams. Who's the best guy or girl on your team and ask them if I can spend a time with them, you know, 45 minutes a month, just trying to help improve myself for the career. Well, of course they've just become a mentor of mine, but I would try in my early days and still today probably would try to serve them in some way. So look, I have these goals. We both think I need to run a deal. What if I just, if I can afford the time I, I sit in on all your calls from afar, I'll take good notes. I'll recap those notes. I'll send you kind of the, the work back plan you guys agree to in the meeting. But I get to be a part of your deal throughout. Well, that's a way to run a deal without having to be the point of the spear. Uh, and no one's going to be wiser. You're, you're kind of providing a lot of value for that person that's in the field. And you're getting to do a lot of work. And you get to put a feather in your cap when that deal gets closed. And it, it truly is the experience that inside and, and junior reps need and they, they're not going to get many of those bats if they don't take those opportunities on early.
0: I, um, I they, they say the one thing that separates us from cats and dogs is that we uh, we have uh, cringe-worthy moments that, are, that we can think back on a situation that happened 10 years ago and still, like, <laughs> cringe, you know? Yeah. I find that to be so true, and I was I was thinking back. This was just a few days ago to a, a conversation I had with a we had a new vice president. This is when we were both at Microsoft. Bobby and we had a new vice president that came into the market. He was working the large enterprise and came in to run mid market. And, and we had a one on one, and he knew that I was a you know a top performer in the business. So we this is about kind of career conversations. and He was like, "Tell me about your mentor network." And this was these were early days that at the company and I listed off former managers and peers. And I, I still cringed about that today. Cause he, he was just kind of laughing about like, that's those are people you worked for. Those aren't your mentors. And I, we, we have, we've done a lot of podcasts on mentors. Yep. Um, but the point is go, go broad, know who the top performers are. Uh, Mike Porter, a guy we both worked for, Bobby uh, had a great saying. It wasn't his saying, but he would say it all the time that hitters, no hitters know who the hitters are. Uh, build friendships with them, learn from them. These are people that you will either work with or work for in the future. And they're good people to know.
1: Well, and I, i I've used the example of being at an offsite and, and seeking them out. Like there's not a board of the hitters that everyone can start calling. You know, you have to seek them out. You have to give them a reason why you don't just need their help. You're willing to help them. You're willing to make the relationship be cooperative and valuable for both parties. Um, and I, I, get asked all the time, how did you get that mentor or, or man, I'd love to have a mentor like that. What'd you do? And I tell I tell exactly what I did. Normally it's an email with the three things I want to do and the three things I propose that I could do for them. And that was my last gig at, at Dell. I did the same thing and was partnering with a, a superstar enterprise rep who was spending time and promoting me throughout the business because of all mm-hmm. the things we were doing together. It, it truly is something that everyone needs to be focused on trying to grow. And uh, I'll never forget the email he sent on my behalf saying, this guy needs to work on our team. And ultimately, I ended up changing teams and ended up on that team. But it, it it's not just because of him. It's because of the work I was doing around that entire mentor network. So grow your mentor network. Make it a strong one. And don't do it right in your region.
0: Indeed. Uh, number five. And, and I would put this right up as the top one of the top ones too. Is be intentional, even if it takes time. Look for the exact role that you want, and be thoughtful. Uh, way too often, I've seen this for twenty years, and I would put myself in this category too. Um, so I'm I'm certainly not exempt from this uh, in the early days. Is I see people that will chase. Let's say they want to be a a manager, or you know, like an inside sales manager or a field AE, whatever it is they're looking to do, is there, if, if once they're ready to leave their current role because the grass is greener somewhere, they chase anything that moves, any role that moves. Yep. It, it's noticed, it is 100% recognized. That's not going to say you're not going to get a role at some point. You will get a role at some point. But be intentional about what characteristics you're looking for in that next role. You don't have to name the next role, but talk about what characteristics success looks like for that next job for you and don't chase everything that moves. Decline stuff. It will show far more self-awareness and thoughtfulness about it. We we had recently somebody that declined to be part of an interview process and I loved it. They, they, they wrote up this three paragraph thoughtful response about how it's not the right time in their family. That person's stock and equity, not, not actual <laughs> stock, but their own internal stock. Like, jump through the roof people there was a side thread going about how how self-aware this person was to have a conversation with their spouse about what what's what's next what makes sense what's right to do um, don't chase everything that moves you know decide um, you know what what is most important to you decide if you're mobile discuss different stages of mobile right like there's mobile about leaving and moving somewhere domestically internationally um travel, you know, maybe you're working in in Utah but you're traveling to Texas for 2 days a week. Understand and be thoughtful about it. It's it's not good or bad, but you have to you have to be true to yourself and if you're going to put yourself out there, you better be ready to accept it.
1: Yeah, I think we reflect a lot on what we did at Microsoft, but at Microsoft there was a thought process that you needed to build a life plan and that that life plan would help you kind of share with others what what you were willing to do and not willing to do, you know and that was the piece about being mobile and where you wanted to be and where family was and what was important to you. The part about the, the role that I think I learned back in those days, which has helped throughout was not talking about the title of the job that I wanted Um, I think people in this world get stuck on, I want to be a frontline sales manager. And then from there, I want to be a director. And then I want to be a VP because they see that, that single chain of command, but they don't always know the roles and jobs that can afford them the same opportunity. So for many, many years, I have said my job, the, the role I want to be in is I want to be responsible for something. I want to be responsible for growing a business. So have some sort of a sales number. I wanted to manage managers that managed multiple teams, and I wanted to to be a steward of great customer service while growing that business, and that sounds a lot like a, a, a VP of sales for Central Region at Microsoft. It sounds like a, a, a big job at, at uh, a director level in a smaller business of some sort, but it also sounds a lot like a small business owner that owns a flight school, and for me, mm-hmm. I'm getting the same things daily out of my job and the role that I have at the flight school because it checks all those boxes. I am managing a small a, a team of people. I manage managers. I have a bunch of people far and wide. I'm growing a number. I'm responsible for making that number grow every month. Uh and it's just as exciting as managing a billion dollar business at Microsoft in my case. So start sharing when you meet with these mentors and these these potential skip levels and hiring managers. What is it that you want to be doing? Uh, It goes to another interview question that I normally ask people towards the end of an interview. I'll say, what is it that you want to be doing on the last day you ever work? Like your your retirement party is at the end of the hallway down there. What are you doing? Are you managing people? Are you growing a number? Are you building products? Like what was that job? And uh, most people haven't thought about it, but I make them leave thinking about it because if you're not working towards accomplishing merit badges towards that thing, what are you doing?
0: And I I think that's the best way to wrap this. That's if, if, uh, if I'm in your shoes uh, and you're, and you're looking to make this kind of move, whether you're looking to move from an AE to a sales manager, to how we started this with an inside sales rep to a field rep, be really thoughtful about what is, what does that ultimate job look like? What does the retirement piece look like? And don't, don't think about roles. Think about what the job is. What, what is it you enjoy doing? And really, I think the way I look at things these days is how can I do more of the things I love doing and less of the things I don't enjoy doing? Amen. Amen to that. And that's a success. That's a success to me, whatever that job is.
1: One thing you all need to stop doing is being average. Don't be average. Average sucks. As always, thanks for listening to The TechSales Show.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks,
1: everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on
0: Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.